1: This is, I think, episode 89, Our Week, and this is kind of um, inspired from the episode that Gumby did on his own, My Week. Um, I think that was last season when I was out in Utah with my mom. So this week, um, we decided to trade back and forth um, just to record what's going on for the day, kind of like an audio journal. And today is going to be the first day of our backpacking trip on the Mountains to the Sea Trail. Um, We've been hiking this trail off and on for several years now. And uh, Gumby asked me yesterday if like how I felt about that. And I was like, you know, (laughs) there's a lot of feelings I'm having in this moment. And none of them really are that I want to go hiking. We are increasing the time that we're out on the trail by one night each time we go out. So this time it's going to be three nights out. And as you might imagine, if you've ever gone backpacking, the more time that you're out, well, it's not that you have to carry more stuff, but especially with um, food and water, you're not quite sure what you're getting into when you're um, backpacking in an area that you've never been. So the uh, the amount of stuff you have to carry is more and I don't I don't like that. I'd rather just go completely without a backpack, but that presents its own challenges. So, I guess what I realized was um I want to do the trail and I guess I just got to do it. Like I got to muscle through it and once I'm out there, I often completely change my mindset, you know, I'm noticing the beautiful weather, the beautiful water that we're walking next to occasionally, or just, you know, bitching about walking on the road, but then maybe being picked up by somebody that's really nice. So, um, yeah, this morning is cool. Last night was cool and it's, um, mid April in central North Carolina. So I'm hoping that we're going to have some nice mild weather, um, for our walking. We're not going to like be burnt to a crisp or sweating heavily, And, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to do 10 minutes and I'm only 2 minutes and 30 seconds in. Um, (laughs) Yesterday, we recorded an interview with someone um, in an intentional community. And that was interesting to see um, from a van life perspective how living in a communal area is different. How we admire some things and how some things um, I don't think Gumby or I would want to give up uh, of our wandering lifestyle. And one of those things specifically for us is, um, just the wild water and the interactions that we have, um, when we bathe, we try to bathe every day if we can, whether that's, uh, in the rain. Sometimes we've done that stripped down and, and washed ourselves in a rainstorm or whether we go down to a Creek or river, um, or whether if it's in, uh, In the winter, sometimes we are offered hot showers, or I had a uh, membership to Planet Fitness gym, and we'd go there and take showers occasionally. But I feel like it's really important to connect with the water, and even with the hot showers. Like, not to get used to it, that's the danger, is uh, to not appreciate it after a while. And I did feel that um, not only when we were going to the gym this past winter, but use the shower, but also when I was at my mom's house. And I mentioned that before um, in the episode this season that was the mile marker. But yeah, it's just, uh, it's something that I guess you don't normally think about if you're living in a place where you just have water that you turn on, just turn on the spigot, turn on the faucet. Um, But yeah, water is very precious. And Gumby and my relationship with water is is also very, I feel like it's very spiritual. I don't think Gumby would mind me saying that about um, both of us because we've both felt like, oh my God, just getting into this wild water is like a baptism. Like you're just changing your entire mood, your entire outlook on the world, um, rewilding yourself. Like I could really understand what that word means when I just submerge in kind of cold water at the edge of winter, the beginning of spring. And uh, I know that might be different if you're out, you know, if you're listening to this and you live in the desert or you live way up north where the water might still be frozen this time of year. But yeah, we're um, we're definitely lucky to run into the places that we do. And aside from water, um, God, the intentional community, they were so welcoming and just provided us with not only a meal but some food to go so we've got some spinach to eat up um, at some point on maybe today we'll have like a little salad or something um, on the trail maybe mix in some wild greens because I like to do that and uh, yeah also the interactions with people um, there were some kids there on the the grounds on the land and they were pretty cool, different different kids, um, very artistic, and, uh, and just seeing all the things that you can get into as a community, whether it's celebrations, whether it's building a structure, um, maintaining and growing a garden, a food forest. So yeah, those type of things, it's really hard to do, almost damn near impossible to do on your own. Having some success and a lot of failure growing things in a garden, I can appreciate. Um, yeah, their their garden, I didn't see everything, but it was a mixture of like wild edibles and I guess um, domestic varieties. So uh, that was pretty cool. And as far as the way I'm feeling um, today, I'm feeling a lot better about going backpacking than yesterday. Um, Like I said, the weather's kind of renewed my spirits, um, and breakfast, (laughs) we treated ourselves to our favorite chicken place, and, um, I think people, a lot of times, um, they ask us about, like, our health, and what would we do if we got sick, and, uh, I've been feeling a little weird in my right side, and I'm not a doctor, I have no idea what that is, but, I know Gumby had some troubles with his gallbladder. My mom and my dad both had their gallbladder removed. Um, And so I'm hoping it's not something like gallstones or whatever. So I'm trying not to get any greasy foods, not like I need them anyway. And I'm also trying to avoid eating foods that are going to kind of stop up my system. So like dairy, um, especially cheese, I'm trying to avoid, which is difficult because Gumby... Um, loves cheese. So (laughs) I can make choices for myself uh, that are different than his. And that was just an example just to show, you know, you don't always have to wait until things get bad. If you're tuned in and have enough time and, and stillness to recognize that there's something going on in your body, you can start to make changes right away. Whether that's, you know, maybe limiting the amount of sugar or limiting the amount of fats or something like that in your diet. Oh my gosh, two more minutes. Um, Yeah, and I guess, you know, this being the beginning of our backpacking trip, um, my hopes are that we have the good weather, um, I'm warm enough at night, and that my backpack isn't too heavy. So I admittedly have not packed yet, <laughs> and neither has Gumby, uh, but he's usually better at packing his stuff Um, so hopefully we can uh, make a little headway today I don't expect to walk too far today before we uh, set up our camp and uh, and just to have a nice easy time of it like I don't I don't want to push nor do we ever really try to get to a certain location we just kind of make do we look around and say oh this is a pretty good spot to to take a break and sleep So, um, yeah, I hope our trip is filled with uh, nice weather, nice people, and hopefully where we're walking is going to be a nice stress-free place. I don't know that for a fact, but hopefully, because the Mountains to the Sea Trail often has us walking on roads. And, God, I don't know what Gumby's going to talk about. We were joking as to who was going to start bitching first in their (laughs) 10 minutes. So hopefully I haven't bitched too much and I don't really have much else to say. So, um, yeah, 10 minutes of me talking straight. I didn't think it would be this difficult. Uh, tune in for the next installment when Gumby reveals his soul in 10 minutes.
0: Well, it's about 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, a little early, um on Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. And uh we started our backpacking um oh, let's see. Well, we uh Teresa and I had talked about not listening to each other's entries um and just kind of when we hear them all together at the uh when we get done, you know, listening to them, but uh I cheated. I listened to hers yesterday morning, so she's not going to know until she hears all this. Um We got ready. We got our backpacking stuff together. And uh, yeah, that was in a park and there was a soccer game going on. So it was really crowded and, uh, um, you know, figuring out what to take and everything. And so we came out to where we left off in Glencoe, North Carolina, which is a neat little mill town. And I started walking. In our blog, where we kind of keep up with our um, trips on the Mountains to Sea Trail, it's called "Fuck the Mountains to Sea Trail," and uh, indeed, fuck the Mountains to Sea Trail. Um, we walked around five miles yesterday, all on on roads, just along stupid roads and golf courses, and uh, it's kind of infuriating, you know. Um, one of the things that pisses me off is there's no such thing as a mountains-to-sea trail in North Carolina. It's just a promotional bullshit thing. There's a lot of beautiful hiking trails. There's an uninterrupted, basically, trail that goes along the mountain range of North Carolina. Um, There are some really long trails, but there is no trail that even comes remotely close to connecting the mountains to the sea. And uh, to fill in the gaps, we're walking like... I don't know, I'd say at least 50% of the time on busy roads, which has been the case since we started at the beach. And uh, it's just bullshit. I feel like if you're not going to connect, you know, if you can't find any way to connect these trails, just admit it. Call it something else. Call it like uh, the tour of uh, North Carolina trails or something. You know, just it's not a mountains to sea trail. Um, Yeah. So that's always, you know, kind of grates on your nerves as you're walking along these roads and, um, putting up with all that. So, you know, Teresa talked about which one of us is going to complain first. I guess it's me. Um, we also, with our blog, you know, I was really inspired before when we were doing it to write about it and, uh, post our pictures and everything. But this is our fourth trip that we have not written about. And, uh, we argue sometimes about like, um, I'm telling Teresa, like, I'm just not inspired to do all the writing now if we want to take turns. And we're both kind of slacking on that. So uh, we're going to have to catch up. And, of course, the longer we don't write, the more hazy it's going to get in our memories. Um, So it's important to continue, you know, what we started, keeping up with the blog and everything. But, yeah, I feel like we've just kind of shifted into a different mindset with our, our hiking now. It's more about the experience than the documenting of it. Um, we take a few pictures, but honestly, I kind of look at the pictures and I'm like, this looks a lot like what we've already taken pictures of, our backpacks, you know. And through a picture, most of these places we're at, I mean, how can we take a picture of the magic of a place? That's always been something I've uh, kind of realized is a photograph just captures, captures so little. For instance, after all this walking, we found this uh, paddle access area that's got some woods here. Um, And we stopped here pretty early yesterday. We were just tired. It was our first day on this this section, this trip. So we set up hammocks back in the woods. And, you know, since it's walking trails and everything, these these trails get walked quite a bit. And that's always kind of annoying, too. I'm looking looking forward to getting back into some deeper woods where you can set up a camp and uh, probably not see anybody. You know, it's just your camp for the night or however long you're there. But that's not the case right now where we're at it's like it doesn't feel like our place even for the night it just feels like we're kind of i don't know sneaking and trespassing and walkers hikers are going to come through and uh we hope they don't contact any authorities that are going to give us trouble and for the most part they haven't well i'd say uh uniformly they haven't we've yet to have authorities show up uh with that but so we're laying in our hammocks tired going to bed pretty early i'd say and uh, this little chickadee is checking us out, little Carolina chickadee, and just hopping from branch to branch to branch looking at us and, uh, you know, just so curious about us. And I was enjoying watching the, the chickadee and then saw it pop into this little hole that's connected to one of the trees that we have our hammocks connected to, um, actually a dead branch hanging On one of the trees It was so cool It's just this big dead branch Had fallen out of another tree And was clinging to the branches of the tree The live tree that we were uh, Had our hammocks connected to And there was a little hole And apparently that's where the chickadee lived And it was just so cool to see What an ephemeral little home it had Um, A dead branch It's not even connected to anything Except just kind of Clinging to these branches of another tree Until presumably I don't know uh, A major windstorm or something And you know, maybe that's all it needs for a home, just that that length of time. So that was our night last night, and today we're all uh, packed up. You know, we're just about to leave this area and back on at least five more miles of road. So, um, God, I'll be glad when we get into some woods again. You know, this road walking so obnoxious, being around all the, the busy traffic. Sherlock behaves himself, for the most part, really, really well. Um, I walk him without a leash along these roads. He knows to stay out of the road. But, you know, we pass houses, and, like, yesterday, somebody's big-ass, like, three or four dogs came rushing out of their their yard across the street. One of them was a huge Rottweiler. And, uh, you know, I've just got to, like, as quick as I can put Sherlock on a leash and he's not trying to engage with these dogs, you know, he's, <laughs> he's tired, he doesn't want any part of it. And I've got to, like, ferociously, like, try to chase off four dogs, once again, one of them being a giant Rottweiler, you know, and just kick at him and, like, get, go home, that kind of stuff. And uh, so that's always kind of uh, a burden. And then we ran into somebody else that had, like, a, a pit bull um, dog on a trail. So, yeah, dog drama. Like I said, Sherlock's behaving himself really well. And for the most part, um, you know, people take care of their dogs. and I am uh, actually would prefer the dog drama to all the regulation. You know, I remember when I was a kid, dogs just kind of ran wild. And sometimes they got in fights. Sometimes bad things happened. But I preferred that to this bullshit of, like, everybody always has their neurotic dogs on a leash just chomping at the bit to get some freedom. And uh, everybody's picking up their dog poop with their, these little dog poop bags. And then most of the time, don't even take them with them. So there's these piles of dog poop bags. Whereas I feel like if their dog just shit, you know, it degrade into the, the soil, it would go away faster. Um, but yeah, so we got up this morning, drug all of our stuff to this little gazebo thing, made our coffee on the hobo stove, and that was really cheerful and uplifting to have the fire going. It went pretty easy, and we made some uh, gumbo soup. Teresa has a really heavy pack this time. Um, She brought a lot of canned goods, which, you know, we were getting pretty smart about packing before, but I think we kind of got out of the the mindset. So now uh, a lot of what we learned, uh, we're going to have to relearn. So her food is super heavy, including like six beers I asked her to pack. So I didn't do her any favors with that. Um, I need to drink more. But... Yeah So we made that soup Because it was heavy And we could get that out of the way And it was really delicious And then we meditated this morning Um And yeah When I meditate I'm reminded of how much That meditation is important to me Um From doing van life To hitchhiking To this backpacking To take these 15 minutes Uh That's what we're doing now Um I increase You know When I feel like I'm ready for it The time that I sit And just to sit And uh try not to think. It's it, And you got to be careful with that because the effort not to think can become its own distraction. But I uh, just sit there and if a thought comes up, um, there's a phrasing that's used in Buddhism a lot, the arising and ceasing of things. And I find that to be such a powerful um, way to think and speak of things because as I'm sitting there, that's what I see. I'll see the sunlight arise and cease it'll come in and everything will get bright and then it'll just go away everything has this wave-like nature and then the shade will come and there's an arising and ceasing of the shade Um, my thoughts will do the same thing Sherlock will bark and there's an arising to that and a ceasing and even my own impulses you know I'll feel like is this something that I need to look at is this something that needs my attention I'll, I'll hear a voice is somebody coming this way and just watching myself like all the things that arise and cease uh, most of the time it's really profound to see how little is required of me most of the time if I just decide to watch you know to to feel the feeling of arising do I need to look do I need to address this uh the embarrassment you know do I look like some goober out here like trying to be Yoda you know sitting there in my little with my little posture and everything um, just feeling it sitting with the embarrassment the uh the insecurity the the wondering if if there's danger approaching that I need to be aware of. And letting it just kind of fade away. And almost always I find that I can just sit through it. Nothing was required of me. And uh, how deep and profound that is for life. Um, that usually so often in our life, all that's required of us is just our being. Our beingness. Our being there. Not that we take some action. Not that we control anything. Not that something bad's happening that we need to uh, defend against. Those things are... Um, I think a lot rarer than people think. So I uh, that's so precious to me when we get up in the morning and uh, do that meditation. Um, oh, my 10 minutes is up. Um, so I guess that's it. We're about to, you know, I'm going to throw on my backpack, and Teresa's going to throw on her backpack, and more walking along the roads. But I will say it's a beautiful morning, uh, mostly sunny, and there's a nice cool breeze. And, uh, yeah, it's it's optimistic and, and and feels free to, to walk in the morning and to, to just have your your pack on your back and to have that uh, that that in front of you so uh, Teresa will be talking to you tomorrow Monday
1: all right this is Monday day three of our adventure on the mountains to the sea trail and it's 12 o'clock middle of the day. I guess uh, since yesterday, we've had some goings-ons that I'll share. Right now, I'm... Right now, I'm walking around this abandoned house. At least, I hope it's abandoned. Oh, yeah. It looks like it hasn't been visited in a while. Ooh. Nice. And uh, let's see. Yesterday, we were walking along the roads, because that's what we've been doing pretty much the whole time this trip so far, and uh, Sherlock is with us, still hanging in there, and I don't think Gumby shared this yesterday, but uh, yeah, there were, I think, three dogs across the street that decided to run over, uh, well, cross the road and start a... Tango with Sherlock, our dog, and uh, one of them was a big-ass Rottweiler, so that was kind of scary, but Gumby's always said, like, calm, assertive, like, when you're walking by dogs that don't know you and you don't know them, be calm, but assertive, and so I just kind of channeled that, and Gumby told the dog to get and it did, so that made me feel even more confident about our situation, and Sherlock was okay, (laughs) although he was looking to Gumby for help like a daddy there's a giant dog about to eat me so yeah let's see if I can walk on any of this flooring here of this abandoned house I wouldn't walk the upstairs cuz the ceiling the floor on the second floor is like crumbling but yeah I can see a nice fireplace in here a couple fireplaces actually ooh and small doors I love it when you look in old houses this is probably at least from the 1800s, early 1800s, I'd say. Um, but yeah, let's see what else happened yesterday. We um, we did get off the road for a tiny little bit um, at a park that used to be a prison. It was a prison farm. And so the prisoners, it was actually a self-sustaining prison. They would grow their own food and um, they made trails. And like the names of the trails in the park are breakaway trail, um, prison run, pass or whatever it's called. So it was kind of whimsical. Ha ha, you're in prison Um, and you're trying to get your freedom. But it ended up being a nice little meander through the woods. We got to bathe at a small creek right before this old guy walked up, like, oh my god, I had just put a shirt on, (laughs) and so our tweener spot once again in between locations and in between times of people. That was the only person we saw, by the way, on the trail in the woods there, Um, (laughs) and it happened to be, like, right after we had gotten done bathing, so hell yeah to us, and wow, there is that's really nice. There is a fireplace in every single room of the downstairs of this old house. Um, it's really cool. Uh, so, yeah, what else happened? That guy that we met, old guy, he had hiked some of the Appalachian Trail in Virginia. And he said his trail name was White Top. And he showed us, he took his hat off and showed his white hair. <laughs> and uh, and told us that up ahead, there was the um, actual prison and the greenhouses that I don't know when they were installed, but the uh, greenhouses were still active, um, hydroponic grown food nowadays. And we decided that uh, since that old guy had kind of told us that people camped down by the pond, um, we were just probably just as good camping up by the road. So we strung up our hammocks and uh, enjoyed a pretty peaceful night. It wasn't too cold, windy. Windy but not too cold, and um, Gumby heard coyotes, and then dogs joined in, and we heard the occasional bray of a donkey, and there were also goats, which I took a picture of. Um, Hopefully, it'll end up on our blog for this segment that uh, there were, like, goats inside the prison fences with the barbed wire, and that's where they live, at the prison, Um, so it's kind of interesting, and, god, let's see. I packed way too much stuff, um, stuff being food, and so next time we do this, I really have to reevaluate what type of food we bring. I knew, like intellectually, I knew that I should be going for things that were easy um, to carry, you know, lightweight things. But the problem is, I guess I've gotten out of the mindset of just making do with whatever you have. So, I didn't want to bring something like ramen noodles and then not have water to make it, even though you can actually eat them dry, but it's really gross. Um so yeah, I didn't want to end up in a situation where we didn't have any water because we were making food and then, you know, whatever. Didn't want to have to bring like extra cookware, but I guess I'm just going to have to bite the bullet on the uh if if we have to get extra cookware in our packs or on our packs hanging off of it. I'll just have to do that next time. I was thinking about Peace Pilgrim as I was walking and struggling with my pack and how Peace Pilgrim has, you know, she had walked across the United States several times with just a tunic um, that had pockets. And so she was, you know, just bringing the very barest of essentials, not even food or water. She would just eat when food was given to her and drink when she could, the water that was around And that worked for her. And God, I wish I had that faith. Um, I also wish I had that world, even though there are still nice people out there that um, occasionally give us water, food, money, all sorts of um, things and rides, which are going to be important tomorrow because tomorrow is when we turn around and head back to the van. Um, We were reading this book that I brought. Yeah, I brought a book. Um talk about adding weight to my pack. But it was a a small paperback that we had gotten from one of the Little Free Libraries. And it's Essays by Wendell Berry. I don't know really anything about Wendell Berry. I'd heard his name before, but I don't know what type of philosophy he has. But he writes some pretty interesting stuff. And last night, as we were um, in our hammocks outside of this old prison that was also a farm, we read about this Uh, black man from the early 1900s. His name was, uh, his pseudonym was Nate Shaw. And I guess there was a book written about his life. Um, And so Wendell Berry was commenting on that book that we hadn't read. But the insights that he had about the book were pretty amazing. And so it not only intrigued me about Nate Shaw and what he did in his life, but also how Wendell Berry can like bring about a lot of really interesting topics and really suss out like all the details and, and points for arguing. Um, cause I know I don't really argue well, but Gumby, like he often has debates with people on Facebook and I feel like it, it can be fruitful to do that, to kind of understand better each other and a subject through debate. Um, Man, now the 10 minutes is flying by. Uh, I guess something else that um, Gumby and I have both been doing is meditating. And I didn't listen to what Gumby said yesterday, but I'll just say that when I was out in Utah visiting my mom after my dad died, uh, I started to reinstate my practice of meditation. And if you've never done meditation or if you have and you feel like it isn't for you, I'm going to go on record, strongly suggest that you give it another try and you don't have to sit the first time for any length of time at all, just maybe a minute. A minute gives you enough time where you can feel some of the effects of letting everything go, of just relaxing. Don't have a a screen in front of you, don't have any music playing, just for one minute just let everything go and then each day, add one minute. And so you get a lot of practice sitting for one minute. And so I guess, you know, theoretically, if you don't have enough time, one minute of meditation is better than nothing. Um, so yeah, I would definitely recommend that practice. And uh, God, I feel like there was other things I wanted to talk about. But now I'm feeling the crunch of time. Yeah, so This Mountains to the Sea trail is kicking our ass, but uh, my pack's getting lighter, so I'm going to take some more stuff from Gumby tonight for our last uh, getting back to the van tomorrow. And uh, hopefully we'll all make it. So this concludes my time. Thanks.
0: It's 2 p.m. on Tuesday, and uh, this is the... that we head back from our our backpacking trip um always an interesting day because this is the one day that it matters uh where we get to by by the night so our general kind of thing we do is try to hitchhike back and then we get to you know it's kind of an understood thing that if it starts getting too late um we might call a cab or something but we're gonna get back to the van um, if at all possible on that day that we're we're heading back Um, so in other words, we're not staying out over overnight. A um, couple of highlights about the last part of our backpacking trip. Let's see, Teresa did her uh, entry at 12 yesterday. So after that, you know, she probably mentioned that house that we found, this abandoned house that was really cool. So we walk a little ways down the road, well, a long ways down the road, and find this convenience store, and we're sort of chilled out there. And uh, this old, bow-legged man shows up. And uh, he's really talkative and a uh, really nice old country boy and uh starts talking to us and teresa asked him if he knows anything about that house and he's like yeah that that house was built in the early 1800s and uh it was the smiths that lived there and he told the story about the 70-year-old man that got married and he was like oh when you're 70 you shouldn't get remarried and when he moved into the neighborhood we gave him a bellens and that's what he called it and uh i never heard the word bellens before but apparently it sounds like sort of this uh neighborhood, country, hazing. Like if somebody moves into the neighborhood, they uh, just kind of give you a hard time, but also bring over food and stuff. So it's like a hazing slash party. Um, and he was saying they made the 70-year-old man that just got married and moved into the neighborhood ride a pole around his house. So uh, whatever the hell that is, that's a Bellins. Um Sounds like a hell of a time. And uh yeah, that was really interesting to hear that guy talk about that. You know, it made me think of like, Man, if something like that happened now, I mean, that would be a uh, 2020 story, you know, on the news. That would be a, a big, like, abusive, controversial issue. And back then, it was just kind of like, um, yeah, you know, you take a little bit of shit, you move into the neighborhood. And I thought about how community building that was. He said this guy stayed pissed off at the whole neighborhood for a year. But But think about it. You know, somebody starts acting, like, high and mighty and aloof from everybody— you can be like, man, I saw you ride that pole around your house. Like, don't be getting uppity with me and, you know, have some kind of embarrassing nickname and, you know, everybody could laugh at each other more. Um, There's a lot of good things about the old days, it sounds like to me, a lot of things that kind of brought people together. At the same time, it sort of uh, prevented a lot of people from getting too big of an ego and um, so we're walking down the road a long ways, smoking a lot of weed. We took a lot of breaks and smoked more than our average amount of weed. So we're going, the uh, sun's beating down, and uh, we get the second ride of our journey. Um, this guy pulls over. Well, actually, this is the first ride of this journey, I believe. Um, second ride since the pandemic, because our last journey we got a ride. Both were with uh, kind of country old black guys. Um so, yeah, representing well as far as friendliness and reaching out, you know. I hear from the the liberals, you know, all this white privilege crap, you know. You listen to that too long, you'd assume any black guy, like, driving by would just kind of sneer his lips and, like, oh, look at the white privilege people on their backpacking trip. But that's not with these country people, you know. He just see, looks and sees somebody that needs a ride, and he sees a way he can help. And this guy loads us up in the back of his pickup truck and uh, takes a wrong turn three times, and ends up going back and like getting us to where we wanted to be and at the end he apologizes to us you know we're like man don't apologize to us like you were great thank you so much for the ride um such a nice guy gave us a Gatorade so you know another kind of early to bed day for us we got to Brian's Park which is a big soccer field and just chilled out there Teresa found an unlocked door where they had a uh, maintenance closet where you can have hot and cold water for the mop and uh kind of snuck in there and we both took turns like locking ourselves in and uh, using the hot water to take like more of a shower type of thing than usual um so that was a pretty sweet opportunity and both of us are remarking how much we love the opportunism of just kind of you know these gifts these opportunities that like land in your path and you can't have expectations like that You can't expect to find an unlocked maintenance store So the opportunity so much feels like a gift Something that you probably wouldn't want to do before that But you put yourself out there You make yourself vulnerable And that opportunity just feels like a blessing from God um, We snuck into the woods Set up our hammocks and had a pretty peaceful night Read a little bit of Wendell Berry Teresa brought a Wendell Berry book That we found in a little free library in Hillsboro. So that was pretty nice, and uh, yeah, we just went to sleep in our hammocks, had a good night. Um, woke up this morning, took our time, meditated, did our thing, had our coffee. Um, I spilled half the coffee, but we still managed to have a pretty good amount of coffee, enough to get us going. And we were walking quite a bit, and the day is like it's a hot one today. So we're walking. Sherlock's pretty used up, you know, poor dog. And we're walking down the road and decide, all right, we know we're not wanting to walk the 20-something miles back to the van today. This is a hitchhiking trip, so let's just find a shady spot. Instead of hiking with our thumb out, let's just stop, face the traffic, put our thumb out, you know, like really hitchhike. So we hitchhike for quite a while, and the way we break it up is uh, Teresa will take like 50 cars, so counting the cars kind of passes the time, and I'll sit in the shade near her, and we'll just, you know, shoot the shit, talk about whatever make fun of the expressions of the the faces of the people that pass us. It's really funny to watch people try not to see you. Um, There was a church across the street, and like everybody that passed us just found the church suddenly very interesting so they wouldn't have to look at us hitchhiking. And then she gets done with her 50, and I get up. Um, We take a little break. Teresa goes over to Subway, buys us some sandwiches. And when she comes back, I have the idea. I've had this theory that since the pandemic I wonder if it's easier to panhandle than to get rides Um, because people, you know, they're more afraid now than ever. There's the old fear of the dangerous hitchhiker getting in your car, and now there's the new fear of the germs they might carry. So I wonder if it's harder to hitchhike now. So I wondered if maybe we could just get out with a sign and ask for money and maybe uh, get cab fare. So that's what we did. We called the cab place, found out how much money it would take to get back. It was about $45 to the van. Um, and we took different parts of the shopping center where we couldn't really see each other. We were separated and, um, panhandled. I had Sherlock with me and Teresa went out there with her backpack. And our agreement was whoever got to $45 first finds the other one and we call the cab. So Teresa reached $45 by the time I had only had $8. And in addition to my eight or her $45, she got a bag of snacks. She got some sunscreen. Uh, she got a cold Coca-Cola. Um, I think it's really helpful to be an attractive woman <laughs> with the, for with all the dangers that might come with it when you're panhandling. Because uh, my old ugly ass on the street corner, even with a cute little puppy, uh, 11-year-old puppy, um, like I said, made $8. And $2 of that was quarters. And two of the people that gave me money were Mexicans. There were four people. So I don't say that like it matters in a, in a racial way, but it's interesting to me to watch who gives and who doesn't. Um, almost uniformly, the big, tough redneck with his tattoos that thinks he's Billy Badass with his big, expensive truck is not going to pick you up. Um, when it comes right down to it, he's more afraid you might scratch his truck or you might hurt him and take his money. Um these big Billy badasses, they're just putting on a show. It's always some old man that if you really were a dangerous guy, um, you could take him. You could take his money. You could kill him. Um, But he's got that, uh, I don't know, maybe that more old-fashioned way of seeing things. He, He looks for the good in people, whereas this big Billy badass with his big fancy truck that his dad helped him buy doesn't. So, and the Mexicans. Mexicans really seem to understand, like, oh, he's struggling out there. I get it, you know. I I can only give you one dollar. Here's a dollar. So, we have found Latinos or Mexicans or, I don't know, whatever you want to call them, but um, to be really friendly, helpful, good people, and we appreciate them. Um, White people are really not representing, especially when they got money. Although i got to say, a couple of the the people that gave us money panhandling were kind of young white guys. And again, kind of in the dumpier cars. Um, Poor people look out for poor people. Rich people can go fuck themselves. So now we are waiting on the taxi. Uh, Hopefully they'll send us a taxi that'll take dogs so we can all just go to the van and be done with it and uh, recuperate. And if not, I guess I'm riding with the taxi and... uh, then hopefully the van's still there. That's always a a stressor that it didn't get towed while we were gone. Um, and that it starts and then I can drive back here and pick up Teresa and Sherlock. But yeah, well, that's the end of my 10 minutes. And I think I I got us up to date pretty well. So interesting. And this was Teresa's very first time panhandling. It was only my second time. So, uh, yeah, it feels a lot like hitchhiking, just kind of putting yourself out there and Most people don't even want to see you, and the people that do, you just feel so grateful for. Again, you know, you can't really have expectations, so every good thing that comes your way feels like it's amplified. It feels like such a gift. Um, So, yeah.
1: It's Wednesday at 4.30. I'm late. This was supposed to be recorded at 4 o'clock. We made it back to the van um, since yesterday, and uh, we actually ended up getting a taxi, which I think Gumby talked about. We uh, we did panhandling, and I'm going to talk about that too, my experience, my feelings about panhandling, because that was my first time doing it. And uh, the guy that picked us up was really nice, um, and allowed Sherlock to be in the taxi with us, and Sherlock was a really good boy didn't bark once Um, and we got back to our car van after several several miles of driving through the countryside where there's just nothing and it's pretty but um, admittedly I mean (laughs) we weren't gonna make it walking there and uh, we were just really happy to have um, such nice people to uh, to give us some money and uh, help us out to get back to our home. And I am <clears throat> excuse me, I am having some allergy type situation, so hopefully I won't be coughing much during this. So yeah, I panhandled for the first time in my life, and really, it wasn't that much different to me than um, hitchhiking. It was standing in front of cars, asking for something. Um, but what I realized was, you know, as a driver. When you see hitchhikers, it's kind of like, well, you either are going to stop or you're not. But with somebody that's asking for money, it's like, I don't know, you're either going to give money or you're not. But sometimes I feel like, do I give them a dollar? Do I give them change? Do I give them $10? You know, what what is going to make their day? And I can say now from my one experience that even anything, even a quarter, you know, I guess even some pennies. It's something because I think it's an interaction too with people um, that are being generous. And Gumby even said like a smile or a wave from people that don't even give you money when you're panhandling is something. Um, I saw some of the most bitter looking people who didn't stop and didn't want to make eye contact or anything with me. I didn't expect everybody to stop and give me money, but wow, there's just like so much bitterness and I was talking to Gumby about that, and he was saying that, you know, it's quite possible that we're a mirror for those folks that um, they're kind of seeing a side of themselves that they don't necessarily want to see. And so they're upset and resentful of seeing that side of themselves, like the the selfish side or the side that, you know, doesn't even want to wave at somebody. And we were also right across from a church. And there was a guy that came over, Um, there was this big meeting at the church. Um, I was even concerned, like, if somebody was going to give us a ride from that church, because there were like, I don't know, over 100 people pouring out of this small church. And I just thought, you know, for as as much as I don't want to worry about COVID, I'd also like to not be a statistic and get sick. So anyway, this guy came over from the church, asked if we were okay, if we needed food or beverages or anything. And we were fine in that regard. But I said, we were looking for a ride. And he just kind of smiled and was like, all right, went back over to the other side, um, the church across the street. And uh, when we, when Gumby and I decided to start panhandling, we took different locations. And uh, I can tell you that the people that stopped to give us money were, I would say, across the board, um, people that were in the lower class, I didn't see any, like, Mercedes, or, you know, BMWs, or anything like that stopping, it was mostly, um, there was first, like, this, uh, yeah, like, middle-aged black guy, and then, like, a younger white dude, and, um, this one guy wasn't even in a vehicle, he actually was, uh, he said he was on the streets himself last year. And so he gave me a dollar and then came back and gave me like the contents of his lunchbox, which were a bunch of, um, cracker packets, like nabs, we call them peanut butter crackers. Um, some other things in there, like sunscreen and, um, a fruit cup and stuff like that. So it was just really nice. He just like unloaded whatever he had and said like, here, I know how it is. And, um, I thought that was really nice. And then, Let's see. I think there was one other person. Oh, yeah, there was one other person that that guy's name is Kevin. And thank you, Kevin. He's probably not going to listen to our podcast. But uh, he stopped and said something told me to come over here and give you this. And he handed me a $10 bill and this and he handed me a cold drink. And uh, he said, but what's what's your story? And I told him we were trying to get back to our van. We had been hiking for three days, and we were all just kind of tired, so we were trying to get a taxi back. And he said, but where do you live? And I said, well, we live in our van, but we generally reside in and around Durham. And he said, well, I'm going to give you some more money. So he actually ended up giving me $30 altogether. And uh, from the time I started, I think it was about a half an hour. It's like 115 to 145 yesterday afternoon. I made $40 and Gumby made $8 so if you think about like just that scenario of course there's a lot of different variables in there that's like what $96 an hour (laughs) and we weren't doing anything except just asking people if they would give us some money passively just standing there not going up and bothering people while they're eating or anything like that and I just thought that was really beautiful because not only were we happy because we got the money that we needed to get the taxi ride home but the people that we interacted with that gave us money that gave us you know food and drinks and everything they were really nice and happy people too the ones that didn't stop like I said looked like they sucked on a unripe persimmon or lemon or something. They just had a bitter looking face or they just completely dismissed and you know turned their head the other way. Even if they weren't turning that direction, they just like didn't want to look at the spectacle of someone asking for something. And that really taught me a, a huge lesson about giving and just being vulnerable once again, seeing that side of humanity. And I'm not saying that I want to abuse that because I think people do abuse that, but it's just I don't know. It's just a really beautiful way to redistribute. I would say wealth, but it's more like money because the people that were giving me money they did not appear wealthy, um, but they did have a sense that they you know could do without that you know dollar, couple dollars, twenty dollars, ten dollars. And, um, I just thought that was really, really great. And there was one story that I didn't tell about Sherlock that I totally messed up and I realized it after I recorded. (laughs) And that was that, uh, Sherlock decided he was going to go in this fenced off area. We're out in the country and it's just huge expanses of farmland and this one fenced off area. It was good and fenced off. Like there was no way out except the way that Sherlock had gotten in and he's running around probably eating like cow patties cow shit and just happy as can be and realizes that he has reached the end of the fence and he can't get out to join his people me and Gumby and um so I knew enough to try and let Sherlock get out himself um so that he's you know smarter for it he knows what to do next time and yet Sherlock started whining, and the cows all started coming over, like <laughs> ganging up on Sherlock. And he just gave me and Gumby this look, like, "Uh, little help." So I went back, and uh, and tried to get Sherlock to come down to where he had gotten into the fence. But yeah, that was a that was a ridiculous Sherlock story. Once again, just complete abandon, just reckless abandon going around in the cow field and then almost getting himself in trouble with a, a gang of cows coming after him. And as far as getting back to the van, um, Gumby and I both agree that while some people might think that traveling around in a van is, is another type of vacation, that they would like to get back to a house, the van is our house. And so we were elated. I mean, we were just so happy to be back at home and have all, you know, all of our stuff there. We didn't have to carry it around and watch the miles go by like nothing, you know, you're just driving and it doesn't, it doesn't feel like anything. Um, but after you've walked all those miles, you get a sense of like, wow, this vehicle, this van is really such a precious gift. And, uh, I've only got about 15 seconds left. So I guess I'll kind of end it there just by saying when you change things up, boy, it sure makes the, uh, the regular day in day out stuff seemed that much more enjoyable. All right. Later.
0: It is 6 p.m. on Thursday and uh let's see. Um it's it cooled off last night, so it was a really chilly night, but it was nice. We had the vind- windows in the van uh cracked um quite a bit to let the air in and we had our bedding and sleeping bags. Um, Teresa ordered a new dog blanket that's supposed to be, like, waterproof and, you know, kind of the tarp blanket combo we had, except they're combined, and it's a really nice blanket. So, Sherlock had that last night to keep him warm, and he seems to love it. And, uh, woke up this morning and, you know, tried to sleep in a little bit because it was chilly. Um, as we often do, especially on a chilly morning, I've, I've learned to crank the van, like, Twice a day when we have it parked someplace um, Because that keeps it charged You know, I have it running like long enough to listen to I don't know, three or four songs on the radio Um, And if it's a chilly morning like this morning um, Have all the windows rolled up and uh, turn on the heat when the van's warmed up enough And get it nice and toasty in there And it's a, a treat like a nice way to start a day on a chilly morning. And then you just kind of lay in there a little bit longer and luxuriate in the, the warmth. Um, so, yeah, that's that's nice and cozy. And then when the sun was out and bright, we got out. And uh, I got the fire going in the fire pit. And uh, we made some coffee. Um, took a walk. And when we came back, Teresa made... Um, you know, I kept the fire stoked, and she made these grits with eggs on top. Grits is one of my favorite foods. Um, southern grits, cone grits. And I uh, had chopped up tomatoes and avocados and a couple kinds of cheese. And like I said, a fried egg on top, hot sauce, um, some yogurt, which we use like sour cream, and we don't have that around, or that might have actually been sour cream. I don't remember. But that's one of our favorite things, like, you know... We uh, were documenting our backpacking trip um, at the beginning of this week. Um, this week of recorded journal entries. So coming back to the van, I guess Teresa probably talked about um, how nice it is to come back to the van. So I won't, I won't talk much about that. But we came out here to this field beside where uh, my mom lives, and um, yeah, that's. Uh, it's so peaceful out here, and one of our favorite things is having a fire pit and being able to have a fire and get up and cook on the fire. Um, a little bit later in the day, she made some barbecued chicken and uh, some quinoa with mixed vegetables. So, yeah, forgot to go out and forage in today. We've been trying to forage some all these greens coming up and try to incorporate them in our meals, but uh, I think we totally forgot today. But that's been nice, and... Um, Next to my mom's house, they got this little outdoor fridge kind of in a shed that uh, I stick my beers in there. So, you know, instead of just having beers like any other day, I've got refrigerated beer. So that's a little treat out here as well. Um, There's some outdoor outlets in their yard, so it's easy to keep our devices charged up. So that's kind of our routine out here. And when we're out here, we go uh, at least once a day, usually only once a day. And walk through the woods to this path we've kind of forged in to the creek. Wash our dishes with creek sand and a little uh, scrubby, like one of those little um, net bags that they keep fruit in. um, And bathe ourselves and wash clothes. So, yeah, that's pretty much our day. And just kind of been catching up on podcasts, listening to a whole lot of podcasts. Um, Teresa hasn't complained out loud yet, but usually she... uh, Gets pretty tired of me listening to so many podcasts, but I've got times in my day, like when we're backpacking, sometimes Teresa will suggest we listen to a podcast when we have the iPad with us, and I don't want to hear a podcast then. Um, To me, that feels jarring. It's not what I'm out there for, but sometimes when I'm out here and just kind of chilling out, doing the van life thing, um, I try to catch up on them, so I'll listen to a lot of them in a row. Um, uh, Let's see. Reflections. Boy, what's going on? That's pretty much what we were doing today. Um, I enjoy uh, taking off as many clothes as I dare. You know, like I might take off my shirt and just kind of be walking around in my pants out here. You know, there's nobody out here to bother us. And uh, just feeling the wind and the sun on my skin, um, as much skin as I can um, reveal to meet it. And uh, likewise, going down to the creek and feeling the water, just feeling that vulnerability, that connection, that sensitivity, is, is I relish that. Um, we were talking the other day when we were uh, bathing, it might have been yesterday, how much water is important to us. You know, somebody was going to ask me what's one of my favorite things about uh, giving up a home, you know, as most people understand it, a stationary home. It's the wild water. Now, if you happen to have a home that is next to a really nice creek or river and you can get in that water and it's a kind of inviting place where you want to be in that water like daily, maybe you get that. But uh, I don't know many people who have it like that. Um, Even if you've got a hot tub or something like that, it's still that kind of, I don't know, stagnant treated water, which water's wild wherever we find it, as I've heard said. But still, there's something different And, uh, I love being able to go to these magical spots. You know, we've got several around here, and then when we go up to the mountains, we've got several more. Um, but just that we know are like picture-perfect, beautiful spots, usually private. And we get in the water and, uh, it renews us. Um, water is life. You know, I see these signs that say, like, in this household, we believe in science. We believe water is life. But, uh, Derek Jensen shares this quote. There's something to the effect of when I talk to Native people, um, they say the big difference between our cultures, um, Native culture and you know, our uh, colon- colonist culture, is that no matter how much we might think we love nature, when someone says nature speaks, we, we think of it metaphorically. And in native cultures, they understand it to be literal. Nature literally speaks to us and is speaking to us. And likewise with the water is life. I think water is life sounds kind of, people think of it scientifically. Um, Of course, water supports life, but there's still that removal from it. But to go and immerse yourself, to feel the magic of the water. I mean, that's what water is. It is magic. It is life. And to feel that baptism, that renewal, that... uh oh, that experience day after day after day, Um, just to feel that change in you. Um, I think it gives us a a deeper understanding that water is life. And uh, that's definitely something that I didn't have nearly to the degree that I have now before I went out and started uh, bathing in these these rivers and these streams every day. So that's got to be as high as anything else on my list about what I love about being homeless, being nomadic, being a hobo, is the wild waters, the constant relationship with wild water. Um, There are definitely times a year when it's challenging, even brutal, um, when my appreciation of that is not what's foremost in my mind, but it's more than offset by the reward of how much of the year that that is presented to me. And likewise, you know, I guess this is my last journal entry of uh, until you know, of this series, our week, because Teresa's got tomorrow. So I started off talking about meditation. I wanted to add one more thing. Um, When I get done meditating, and Teresa does this too, we kind of do this little hands together bow um, afterwards, which I generally find it pretentious as hell when white people bow. I hate that. I've known so many douchebags that like bow and they use it as an insult. It's like, okay, I bow to you. And what they're really saying often is, uh, you know, whatever you can, you can win this disagreement or whatever. Uh, I'm above it all, and uh, I I hate seeing white people bow. I just hate it. So. I, with that said, I do this anyway, because that's how I was taught when I started meditating is, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, G-A-S-S-H-O. It's the practice, guess how, something like that, of bowing and appreciation. But when I do it in this setting, after the meditation, I'm not bowing to anyone. I'm bowing to the experience. I feel such a flood of gratitude when I do that, even for the distractions, for the body aches, for the pains, for the headache I might have. Um, just all these signs that I'm still alive. Um, I was just realizing today, and I've realized it before, um, that that little bow at the end, that appreciation is as valuable to me as the meditation itself. So yeah, it's been a good week. Um, I don't know if I... I think I already mentioned it, but it's cold. There's a cold front coming in, so it's super dry. And uh, when the sun's out, it's okay, but that wind is cold. So when it gets cloudy, which is... Uh, you know, scattered clouds, it's pretty damn cold. So right before recording this, we were just kind of laying in the van with our sleeping bags, listening to a podcast, uh, warming up. Um, But it's great because, you know, what do we have that's demanding our our time or attention except uh, whatever feels natural to do? Um, And I like that. So thanks for listening. That's my 10 minutes. And uh, um, Teresa will cap it off tomorrow. Bye.
1: Alright, this is the last audio journal for this week, our week, and it is Friday at 8pm. Gumby built up our fire really, really beautifully, and I'm sitting here watching the little embers fly up, looking at the moon shining down on me, and feeling pretty good from Marijuana. Marijuana. And we were listening to a lot of podcasts today, other people's, um, The Propaganda Report, uh, Deep Green Resistance, and we were just listening to this Josh Slocum, um, guy. His podcast is called Disaffected. And it was like really, and we were both in a trance listening to this guy talk about his mom and, um, how abusive she was and, like, her background of her family's fucked up and, uh, God, propaganda report, we, uh, we listened to the author of this book, the book is called something like Government Scams, and, uh, wow, he was blowing our mind, like, before noon, and Deep Green Resistance even had on an interesting guest of this woman, she sounds like she's, fairly old. Um, she lives down there um, in Texas, and she sounds like it, and she's doing a a two-week hunger strike. She's on day 15, actually, so I guess it's just ongoing to stop the, uh, the industries just basically killing their way of life down there, um, especially along the water. And she was really cool because, um, you know, if you think about people doing protests where they're, you know, going on a hunger strike or something, I mean, my mind starts to wander to, like, people that are probably pretentious a little bit, Um, but this lady, she seemed really absolutely sincere, and what's interesting about that, too, is, like I said, she sounded like she was from Texas, and you don't really think necessarily of people going on hunger strikes in Texas to save the environment. But she is and uh God, I, I wish I remembered her name, but yeah, it's it's like where does she summon that strength? And she actually answered that in her interview by saying that like the the water, the bay where she lives at, where she's, you know, had a living doing a bunch of different types of fishing and and working on boats, and having a boat of her own, and how the small-scale fishermen and women are, uh, they're basically, their livelihoods are gone, their lives are ruined, their health is ruined from all this industry, so that's why she's on her hunger strike, and I just think that's pretty cool. Um, God, I am so high, and... Gumby's not around to help direct me. So I gotta figure out what to talk about for another like six minutes. Um Hmm God, there's been a lot of uh things that have been revealed during the uh the podcast, the propaganda report. And it's just making me think a lot about um they're they're talking about on this show how the pharmaceutical industries have been paying for advertisements on TV channels for years now. And it's not like anybody can just go out and buy it. So what's up with that? And they were talking about how the money for the advertisements from the pharmaceutical industry, um, and I guess healthcare industry in general, they're really paying off the media outlets so that Whatever the stories are, they're kind of geared towards big pharma. And, uh, and all the implications of like all of this shit with the COVID and also with the um, transgender stuff. Josh Slocum's uh, Disaffected podcast, we just learned a new word from him and it's uh, phalloplasty P-H-A-L-L-O-plasty. P-H-A-L-L-O-P-L-A-S-T-Y like phallus, like penis, and this is for trans confused whatever children who, uh, for the girls that feel like they're boys um, and feel like, you know, doing away with all of their uh, girl stuff and slapping a penis together from the skin on their forearm and some sort of surgery that connects stuff in your groin to this, like, skin tube. Um, I think Gumby, he'll probably post it on the Escaping Society Facebook page. But uh, it's not for the faint of heart. The, uh, the the pictures, if you just Google it, it's pretty disturbing. So, learn a lot of new stuff. And my God, our lives are uh, pretty... I mean, simple, but my um, my grandpa has been in bad health for a while, and uh, my brother and I were supposed to go up and see them about, I don't know, a week ago now, and my aunt, uh, we were all going to, like, have this small ceremony for my dad because my grandparents wanted some some more closure uh, from my dad's death, so my aunt ended up getting sick and having COVID, but she's evidently okay now, and that's, like, a week later. Um, So the service was canceled because of her health and also my grandpa's health, um, which, I I said, has been declining for a long time. And, you know, since the death of his now second son that he's lost, um, he's... Also incurred like a lot of heart problems, um, breathing problems, and his long story short, he's a mess, um, medically and health speaking. And so, my brother and I were going to go up there to visit a week, about a week ago, and they called off the service. And now I'm thinking, man, I should have gone because you know, my grandpa's right on the edge there. He's up there in years, he's lived a good life, but uh, you know, I'd if I can, like to see him again, and um, same with my grandma, and then Gumby's mom is still in the hospital from, like, ever since we got back, well, ever since I got back to North Carolina, which has been a while now, she's been in the hospital, and uh, we talked to her a few times over the phone, but it's just really difficult to, to... get a hold of her we really haven't seen her all that much since November of last year and it's the end of April so she's pretty much been in the hospital that whole time and that sucks so most of the most of the things throughout our day are simple the uh the family the tribe all of that gets to be complex and I guess I'll end it up with uh with a listener right in here And I'm going to choose, there's two written down here. I think, I think I'll choose Jessica from Berkeley, California. And Jessica is writing in response to Black Magic, White Science, our episodes part one and two. Jessica said, I just listened to both the Black Science episodes, Black Magic, White Science, parts one and two. I was totally in flow the whole time, slapping my thigh and saying hallelujah, laughing and feeling the truth. That looks weird. I'm dictating it to my phone. Those are her words. Um, But the final insight about the stars as our ancestors' campfires blew me the fuck away. Bravo. And yeah, Jessica, I also liked that episode or both of those episodes and the ending was Pretty awesome. Gumby's pretty awesome. And um yeah, geez, like I said, all this st- stuff coming to light about um the pharmaceutical industries and media. I know I'm slow on the uh stories getting everything in line, but wow, everything's really starting to come together with all these agendas that are happening, like with you know, whatever you believe about COVID, but if you think about it, I mean, I don't know. Things are starting to reveal themselves to me in my high ass. So <laughs> if uh, if you've listened to any of our other episodes, and I guess including this one, and you've enjoyed it, or you have any constructive criticism, comments, questions, you can contact us via our website. Our website is escapingsociety.weebly, with a B like boy, dot com, escapingsociety.weebly.com. We've got our comment form on the front there of the website, and you can also find us on Facebook at Escaping Society, and we have a YouTube channel. I think that's under Gumby's name, but yeah, look up Escaping Society, and uh, we'll hope to hear from you next time. Thanks for listening.